book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 16. I am, I'm, I'm, I believe I can say I'm almost always excited about teaching you, uh, but I'm especially excited about teaching you when I, I really believe that what I'm going to teach is really going to help you, and I, I believe that that's going to be the case tonight. And so Matthew chapter 16 in your Bibles, and uh, we're going to be real practical tonight. I don't think we'll be, uh, I don't think we'll be uh, lengthy this evening, but we're going to say some really, really important things that uh, a lot of people don't, don't understand, uh, and I'm thankful. I'm just thankful that God exposes you and I to truth and shows us what truth is, and, and we're going to show it to you straight from the book tonight. And so uh, anybody that, that teaches you truth ought to be able to show it to you from the book. Amen? And if they can't show it to you from the Bible, there's a problem somewhere. And so we want to we wanna show it to you from the Scriptures. Matthew 16 in your Bibles, and I know you worked a long, hard day, and you're war slap out tonight. And so why don't we do this? Let's stand tonight and get our blood sort of uh, percolating just a little bit so you're not falling asleep, and, um, and uh, just stand and get, get, get some energy going, and uh, we'll try to uh, monitor our time this evening. But I want you to look with me at Matthew 16. And we're going to begin in verse number 13 and read down through verse number 19. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 13. I'll tell you what let's do to get you really good and awake. Let's just read. Let's do responsive reading tonight. And that means this. I'll read the first verse, then you read the next verse with me, and so on. All right? So let me start in verse 13, then you read verse 14 with me. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, notice those words, Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Read verse 14 with me. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Verse 16 together. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's read verse 19 together as well. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You may be seated tonight, and I want to talk to you about the doctrine of the church. Of course, we are uh, in a series here on Wednesday night, understanding our statement of faith, and, and uh, because of that, I want to talk to you about the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the church. And so let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us, and I'll teach just for a few moments tonight. Lord, we love you, and Thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary tonight. And uh, Lord, it's been a good service. And Brandon's right. Lord, it seems like it has just flown by. And uh, we thank you for the good songs we've sang. We thank you for the beautiful special and the offertory and all that's been done tonight. We thank you for it. Now, Lord, as we take just a few moments and teach from the Bible, I pray that what we say would make sense. I pray that it would be, uh, Lord, I pray that it would be uh, a source of edification to the church. And more than anything, I pray that it would be well-pleasing to you and that the Lord Jesus would be high and lifted up 
And Father, that we would learn and that we would be instructed and that we would be, uh, Lord, better Christians than we were when we entered earlier tonight and that we would know at the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And so, Holy Spirit, help us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Look back, if you will, at verse number 13. The Bible says when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Now, that's interesting. As we begin, it's interesting that Jesus is teaching his disciples concerning the doctrine of the church in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, I'm so thankful my wife and I had the opportunity to visit Caesarea Philippi. And it's an interesting place. Those folks that are going with us in December to the Holy Land uh, will probably visit Caesarea Philippi. And it's about 20 miles north of Galilee. And, uh, and it's an area, uh, and the reason this is significant is because Caesarea Philippi is an area that's known for worship of false gods, many false gods, but especially the god Zeus and the god Pan. Um, Pan, you say Pan, what was Pan? Pan was a, a god, of course it's a false god, but it was a, a god that was supposed to be part man and part goat. And some of you may know this and some of you may not know this, but you, you maybe have never heard of Pan, but you've heard of Peter Pan. We say those don't have anything to do with one another. You might want to go back and check. They actually do have a little something to do with one another. Uh, but Pan was part man and he was part goat. Uh, interestingly enough, we get our word, we get a, a word from the God Pan in our English language and it's the word Panic, panic. Um, really, the child of God should never panic. But the God Pan was such a, a frightful God. Um, that's where that word comes from, panic. Well, if you were to go to Caesarea Philippi, you'll find that there are actually shrines there today. We'll see them when we go to the Holy Land. We'll see those, those shrines where they worshiped the God Pan. And they worship those goat gods. Well, it's interesting because the Lord of all places, the Lord has his disciples there in Caesarea Philippi where they worship the god Pan. And the Lord begins to teach his disciples concerning the doctrine of the church. And one of the things that he reminds his disciples with this background, I mean, here are the shrines of Pan and Zeus are there. And the Lord takes that opportunity with that background to remind his disciples that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so back in that day and time, people saw the God of Pan and the God of Zeus as very powerful gods. And the Lord Jesus Christ reminds believers that as powerful as people believe those gods are, they will never prevail against God's church. Well, if you went to our website tonight, uh, and you looked at our statement of faith, this is what you would see. This is what you would read word for word. We believe that the New Testament church is a local assembly of baptized believers who have voluntarily joined themselves together to carry out the Great Commission. The Lord is doing his work in this world through local churches. The establishment and continuance of local churches is clearly taught and defined in the New Testament scriptures. And then there are a number of scriptures, uh, scripture references after that statement. He goes on to say this, we believe in the autonomy of the local church 
free of any external authority or control. Christ is the only head of the church. And then there is like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight references that come after that statement. We recognize the ordinances of baptism by immersion in water and the Lord's Supper as a scriptural means of testimony for local churches in this age. Now, I want you to look back, if you will, at Matthew 16, verse number 18, and that's really our text. And verse 18 says it like this, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, let me tell you what that is not saying. The Catholic Church believes that, that Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18 is teaching that the apostle Peter, at that moment, the apostle Peter became the foundation of the church. That in essence, he became the first bishop of Rome and that eventually that would open the door for all the other popes that would, uh, would, that would come after him and that because of that statement in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, that the pope of Rome has primacy among the church and that he has certain powers and that he has the power of ex cathedra, uh, which means that the pope can speak and it becomes scripture, that the pope can actually change scripture. He has the power to do that. He can change scripture, which, by the way, he's done very recently. Um, now, I, I want us to keep something in mind. That is not what the Bible's teaching there. Amen. So I want to draw out a couple words uh, uh, to your attention, if I could. First of all, look at Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Notice the word Peter there. Uh, we know that our, our New Testament is translated from Greek, Koine Greek. The word Peter, the name Peter there is the, is the Greek word Petros. And this is what it means. It means a piece of rock a piece of rock. And so the Lord says, thou art Peter. Thou art a piece of rock. And then he says this, and upon this rock. Now, let me tell you what the Lord was not saying. The Lord was not speaking to Peter and saying, Peter, you're a piece of the rock and I'm gonna build the church upon this rock. That's not what he's saying. He's saying to Peter, Peter, you're a piece of the rock, but I'm gonna build the church on this rock, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting, the word Peter is the Greek word petros, and it means a piece of rock. But the word rock in Matthew 16, 18 is the Greek word petra, and it means a mass of rock. And so let me tell you what I believe that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching here. He is teaching that Peter, yes, you're gonna be a foundational part of the church. You'll be one of the founding fathers of what's gonna eventually be one of the greatest institutions that's ever been created. But it's important to understand that I, Jesus, will be the cornerstone of the church. Now, I wanna show that to you in your Bibles, and you may wanna just put a little bookmark or something there in Matthew 16. We may come back there in just a moment. But I want you to turn to several places, and I want you, again, I don't want you to take this at face value because pastor's just saying something, uh, something from the pulpit. I want you to see this with your own two eyes. And so look, if you will, at the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 and <clears throat> verse number 19. So again, the Lord says, Peter, you're going to be a part. You're going to be a part of the church. You're going to be a part of the forefathers, the foundational fathers. But I am going to be the cornerstone, Jesus says. I'm going to be the rock. I'm going to be the mass 
that the rock is built upon. That's very important. Ephesians 2 verse 19, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I'm in Ephesians 2, now verse 20, the Bible says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but look at the last part, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, there's no mistaking that, uh, and so that's very, very clear, but let's look, you know, the Bible's so good that it doesn't just give us one reference, it normally gives us more than that, and so look, if you will, at 1 Peter tonight, toward the back of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2, and look at verse number 5. So this is for all those who say, well, the church is built on Peter. Well, Peter is a rock, but he's just a piece of rock. Uh, he's just a small pebble, if you will. Uh, and, and yet the Lord is the mass. The Lord is the massive rock that the church is built upon. We find that taught in 1 Peter chapter 2 <coughs> and verse number 5. Look what our Bible says, verse 5. Ye also, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a, what's it say? A chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So again, it's important for us to understand something that the church is not built on Peter. And the church is not built on any other stone. The church is built on the chief cornerstone. And the chief cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's gonna actually come back here in just a moment as I'm teaching a few other things that we'll notice in our outline tonight. So I wanna give you real quickly, I wanna give you at least three things, maybe four things, but I wanna give you at least three doctrinal things about the church, three doctrinal things about the church. First of all is this, I want you to notice the authority of the church. Somebody says, Pastor, what's so big about the church? Why is the church so important? I mean, you know, preachers always saying, be here, be here, be here. Hope you come back tonight. Hope to see you tonight. I hope you'll be here for revival. Hope you'll be here for conference. I hope you'll come for the youth meeting. I hope you'll be here for the special service we're going to have. And somebody says, preacher, what's the big deal? Because, boy, how many know this? To so many people in America, the church is not a big deal. I mean, they might go, they might go one service a week, maybe. And you gotta, you, you've almost got to you know, beg, bar, and steal to get them there for that one service. And so somebody say, what, what's so different about Calvary Baptist Church? Why do we emphasize the church so greatly? And what is it that if people aren't a part of the church, what is it that they're really, really missing out on? And here's the answer to that. The reason the church has authority is because Jesus said the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, again, I want you to see that. So you're, uh, you're in Peter, so turn back a page or two or a few to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and look at verse number 15. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. Look what our Bible tells us. Look what the Holy Scripture tells us about the church. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. The Bible says, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Look what he says. Which is the church of the living God. And then he says the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, both those words, pillar 
and ground. Both of those words basically mean the same thing. They mean support. The basis, that's what the Lord is saying, which is the church of the living God. The basis, the foundation, the pillar, the ground of the truth. And so the Bible's telling us this, the church is the basis. The church is the foundation for spreading the truth. Boy, listen, how many know this? If there's ever been a day when we need the truth, we need the truth tonight. Good night. Man, people are so confused. They don't even know which restroom to use. And by the way, church, this world that wants us to accept all that, listen, it's getting worse and worse and worse. So first, we don't know what we are. First, we don't know who we're supposed to marry. Now we don't know what bathrooms we're supposed to use. And now we don't, know, we don't even know if we're a person. Now we're not sure if we're a cat or a deer or a dog. I mean, we don't even know what we are. Now, you know why that's going on? Because people are not being exposed to the truth. And that's why the church is so important because the church is the foundation of the truth. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever visited the Empire State Building? Anybody here have visited? Several have visited the Empire State Building. It's pretty impressive. I mean, it's one of the older skyscrapers in America, but it's pretty impressive. And uh, we went to New York City one time and... uh, Miss Tammy and I went up, and the kids, and went up to the top of the Empire State Building. I'll never forget that night as we walked out onto the um, observatory. It was an incredibly windy night in New York City. I mean, the wind was blowing so hard. My wife wouldn't even go out to the edge there, and that's saying something when Miss Tammy won't go out to the edge. And, uh, but it, 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 yeah, it's way up there. But listen to this. There's now a new building in Dubai called the Burj Khalifa. It is twice the size of the Empire State Building. This building has 160 floors. The elevators in the Burj Khalifa travel at 40 miles per hour. The elevators. It has the world's highest outdoor observation deck on the 124th floor. But listen to this, the secret to this massive building is what's underground. Before they ever begin to build the Burj Khalifa, listen to this, they spent one solid year digging, digging underground and pouring massive foundations that keep this building from blowing over. Listen to this. The foundation contains some 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing more than 110 thousand tons. Now, you say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this. The building is safe because the foundation is solid. And the Bible says the church, now now hang it, if we don't even get to all the points, just stay, stay with me tonight. And the Bible says that the church is the foundation of truth. Well, you know what, church? That makes perfect sense. No wonder the devil is fighting the church so fiercely. No wonder so many pastors are falling. No wonder so many church members are falling out by the wayside. No wonder, listen, no wonder the church is having so many problems and no wonder there uh, that the devil is causing people in the church to have hard feelings over things that don't even matter. Fussing and fighting and fuming over silly, petty, petty little things. 
fussing over paint on the wall or the, the tint of the paint or the fabric on the seats or the color of the carpet or the weave of the carpet. My soul, God, have mercy on us. And we're fighting over little piddly, piddly things while souls are dying and going to hell and, uh, and, the, and the truth is not getting out. And by the way, it's not. We're not making this stuff up. Listen to this. According to Lifeway Research, in 2019, 3,000 churches opened. We say, Pastor, that's pretty good. 3,000 churches opened in 2019 and... 4,500 closed. Church, I'm going to tell you something. You know what? If it keeps going like that, we're going to be in the biggest mess we've ever been in. Did you know that, did, did you know, somebody says, preacher, what's the big deal? Why, why do you make such a big deal out of things? Did you know that Iredell County needs Calvary Baptist Church to stay strong? Iredell County does. And Wilkes County and Davie County and Yadkin County and Surrey County. Did you know that America needs Calvary Baptist Church to stay strong and, uh, and North Carolina needs the Calvary Baptist Church to stay strong? You say, well, preacher, we're way up here in Union Grove, way up here in the boondocks. What's the big deal? The big deal is this, that the church is the ground and the pillar of the truth. We are a spreader of truth. And so because of that, we need to... We need to Stay strong. Hey, church, good night alive. Don't let the devil, don't let the devil get you all messed up over something that don't matter in eternity. Well, what kind of coffee are we serving? Who cares? What kind of toilet paper are we using? Who cares? Man, that's, none of those things are important. Man, our soul's getting saved. That's what's important. Are we getting the truth out? That's what's important. We're a spreader of truth. And so we see the authority of the church. But, 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 but quickly, look at this. Number two, we notice the autonomy. We notice the autonomy of the church. Now, autonomy, you say, preacher, I don't even know what that means. The word autonomy simply means the right or condition of self-government. So hang in there with me. It's why we label ourselves an independent Baptist church. We're not independent Baptists because we just decided one day, I'll tell you what let's do. Uh, Methodist? No, let's don't be Methodist. Uh, Pentecostal? No. I'll tell you what let's do. Why don't we put independent Baptists on our label? Let's, let's put that on the sign. That sounds good. That's got a good ring. That's not why we do that. We are, we are Baptist by conviction. But we're not only Baptist by conviction, we are independent Baptist by conviction. Now, some of you know this and some of you don't, but let's listen to this. You know what that means? That does mean something. It means that, that this church is not governed from the outside. You say, Pastor, where's the headquarters for Calvary? Heaven. We have no headquarters, physically speaking. We have no president, physically speaking. We have no chairman of the board, physically speaking. We have no head preacher. We have no denominational leader. Now, we have recognized offices in the church, but only because the Bible specifies that. Pastor and deacon, 
But I'm just saying this, the only leader, now listen to this because this is very important to understand. The only leader that has power to regulate this church is one. And his name ain't Steve Pope. His name is Jesus. You see, this is his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. There's a lot of deacons in America that need to understand that's not their church. There's quite a few preachers in America that need to understand that's not their church. There's quite a few. There's quite a few church members in America that need to understand that's not their church. This is the Lord's church. And so since it is his church, you know what that tells us? He determines the policies and he determines the standards and he determines the practices. But again, I want you to see it. So take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter one and look at verse number, verse number 22, Ephesians one. And verse number 22. Boy, look what our Bible says here. This is just, this is so clear. Ephesians 1.22, the Bible says, and hath put all things under his feet, Jesus, under his feet, and gave him, Jesus, and gave him to be the, to be the what? To be the head over, whoa. How many believe you've got a perfect Bible? The Bible says, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Turn over just a page or two to Ephesians chapter five and look at verse number 23. Ephesians five, verse number 23. The Bible says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the what? The head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. Turn over, if you will, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Turn over to Colossians, just a few pages to the the right. Uh, Colossians chapter one and look at verse number 18. Colossians 1 and verse number 18. Found your place? Say amen. amen. Look at this. Colossians 1 and 18. And he, Jesus, and he is the head of the body. The what? Church. The church. Who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Somebody says, Pastor, when are we going to pick a delegation and when are we going to go to the denominational convention and, uh, and, and, and help them vote? And the answer to that is we're not. We're not. Number one, we don't have a denominational convention. Now, this is a whole other message. I can't get into this tonight. Number two, we're not a denomination. You say, oh, yeah, Baptist. No, I'll teach that later. We're not a denomination. But we definitely don't have a denominational headquarters. And I'll tell you something else, church. We're not going to go to the denominational meetings and vote on things like ordaining women to serve as pastors. And we're not gonna go to the denominational meetings and cast our vote for ordaining homosexuals to serve as pastoral staff. And we're not gonna go to the denominational meetings and cast our vote concerning adjusting our doctrinal guidelines on salvation. You say, well, why, preacher? I'll tell you why. Because those policies have already been set. We don't have to vote on any of that. You know why? It's already been voted on by the president. Well, who is he? His name is Jesus. 
He's already voted on all those things. Man, I'm telling you, folks, the church is messed up today. Who do we think we are? Who, who, who do these churches think they are having all these big denominational meetings and conventions and we're all getting together, be sure you send a delegation from your church and we're gonna all cast our votes about what we should do. And I'm thinking, listen, the vote's already been cast. Why are we voting on stuff that, that our leader has already said, I don't want that. I don't want that in the church. I don't want you living like that. That's not, not the lifestyle you're supposed to live. Why are we voting on things that the Lord has already put down in black and white that we're not supposed to do? Does that make sense to anybody tonight? It looks like that would make sense to everybody, not just the folks in this church. It looks like that would make sense to everybody, but it doesn't. And man, we're trying to change, change things and change guidelines and change policies and all these things. That's why... We are an independent Baptist church because, thank God, we can't have somebody show up here and say, listen, if y'all don't cast your vote on this, we're going to take, take y'all's money away. You want to take our money away because you don't have anything to do with our money. But that's happening. Well, if y'all don't vote a certain way, the convention owns most of that building, and that building will go back to the convention. Our building won't go back to the convention because the convention don't own our building. You say, well, who owns this building? God owns this building. And until he goes out of business, I think we're going to be all right. And he's not going out of business. And so we see, we see the authority of the church. We see the, the autonomy of the church. Let me at least get through this third one here. How about this? We see the anatomy of the church. The anatomy of the church. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor? Are you still in Colossians? Look at Colossians chapter one, then I'm gonna have you turn somewhere else. Look in Colossians chapter one, verse number 18. Look what he says. And he is the head of the body. Wow. And he is the head of the body. And then to make sure that we don't misunderstand what he's saying, there's a comma right there. And then he says, the church. And so the Lord, the Holy Spirit, likens the church to a, to a body. All right? Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and look at verse number, uh, look at verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 12. Now, we're getting, I'm getting ready. To, we're going to read some scripture, and I'm getting ready to sound really, really repetitive, but I want you to understand that Brother Pope didn't write the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, and he put the words in there he wanted to use, and, uh, and, and, and you're going to see a word mentioned over and over and over and over again. In fact, you're going to see it 18 times. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Verse 14, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, am, uh, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now if God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it had pleased him, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body, <laughs> And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the, the, the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. 
Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness for our comely parts have no need but God hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Verse 27, now ye are the what? Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now that teaches a couple things when we'll be done. Number one, it teaches us this, that the church is a body. And it teaches us that every member is vitally important to the body. Every member. Look what it says. Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, wouldn't that be weird? Can you see an eyeball walking down the sidewalk? <laughs> if the whole body, and, and that is almost humorous, the Holy Spirit's almost, you know, being a little, a little sarcastic here. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, if you were an ear, where were the smelling? Man, if you were an ear, you couldn't smell grandma's biscuits. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. That tells us that every member is vitally important to the body. So those members who have less, who, who at least they believe, they have a less significant job than somebody else. Somebody says, well, you know, my, my job's not as important as Brother Brandon." Brother Brandon's up here on the platform, you know, he's leading, leading the singing, and, you know, he went to the youth conference with the kids, and, uh, and my, my job's not as important as Brother Brandon. According to Scripture, the Bible says that every member is vital. You know, you know what that means? You know what that means, church? That means, really, that your job is important as my job. Every job Every member of the body is important. So somebody says, well, Rich, all I do is clean the bathroom. And, and the Holy Spirit says, you don't, you don't understand how important that is. Somebody says, Pastor, all I, do, I just, I run a desk mop. I run a desk mop. I play an instrument. I, I, I help out with the sound. I, I dust. I water the flowers. But that's all I do. My job's not important. According to the word of God, every member of the body is vital. Every member. Every member. Look, look what it says. Verse 22. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts, that's the ones that don't look quite as good, have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. Uh, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that parts which, which lack. Somebody says, uh, a preacher, what I do is just, it's, it's, it's just not, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop because it's just, it's not that big a deal. Listen, and the Bible's teaching us a great lesson here. Every member is vital. So if I were to ask you, what's the most important member of your body? I mean, if I just asked something random like that, you'd say brain. Or you'd say heart. And you'd be right about that. Anybody ever broke a big toe? I have. Oh. You don't walk right when you break your big toe. Do you know that? Isn't it amazing? That big toe, you don't ever, you're, you're one of the only ones that ever sees it. 
And most of you are like, I'm the only one who wants to see it. I don't want anybody else to see it. <laughs> you know, some people have a problem with feet. But here's the thing. If you didn't have a big toe, you'd be a lot less balanced. Hey, you ever tried to pick up something without a thumb? Did you know if your thumbs got amputated? Boy, oh boy, you talk about having to learn a new lifestyle. I mean, if you didn't have a thumb. Now, wait a minute, that thumb's just a little member? It's not the heart, it's not the brain. It's not one of those things that you really pay attention to very much, but if you lose that thumb or you break that big toe or if you get something in your eye, just one eye, how many knows this? It affects the body greatly. Listen, if you're here tonight and the devil has come to you and said, your job's not important, your job's not important, you know what, you, you, you help as an usher, but your job's not important, or, or you help out in the parking lot, direct traffic, and your, your job's not important, you know, all you do is just get on the golf cart, and you just shuttle people back and forth, and your job's really not that important. Listen, you know what, you just go ahead and understand tonight that every single member of the body is vital. Amen. It's vital. By the way, I think that's why the Lord is blessing this church. Because we have some people that understand something. Their job is big. It's big. And so we, we learned that every member is vitally important to the body. But look at this church. We also learned that every member influences the body. Every member is important, but every member influences the body. What do you mean, Pastor? A body, listen to this, a body is only as healthy as its individual members. If you've got a sick heart, you got a sick body. If you've got, listen, if you've got a foot, a foot that gets badly infected, do you think it affects your body? If you're a diabetic tonight, you know the answer to that, don't you? You have to be very careful about that. Man, if you have a, a sore that comes up or an infection that comes up or something like that. Wait a minute now. It may be way away from the heart. It may be not even close to the brain. And yet, that infection, that blockage can, can affect the entire body. Look what he says in verse 26. Look, look what he says in verse 26. And whether one member suffer, what's the next word? All the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Sometimes church members think, you know what, my personal sin doesn't affect anybody but me. Let me tell you something. If you're a part of this church and you're living in sin, you're affecting the body. You say, preacher, nobody knows. Nobody has to know. If you're a member of this body, and spiritually speaking, you're infected right now, and the devil's got you off somewhere, and he's got you looking at stuff that's wrong and doing things that are wrong, and just, I mean, it's, it's just, just, just a mess, and somebody says, you know what, preacher, it's just me. It doesn't affect anybody. Listen, if this Bible is true, and it is, the Bible says if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And so... Notice here tonight, we notice, we notice, first of all, the authority of the church, the autonomy of the church, anatomy of the church. I'm not going to give you this last one, but, but I'll just 
put it on the screen. We notice the administration of the church now. What is the administration of the church? Number one, we're, we're to administer the gospel. That's our calling. And I'll, maybe I'll teach that another time. We're to, we're to administer the gospel and we're to administer the ordinances. Now, church, listen to me. If you didn't get anything else tonight, get this. The reason the church is so important is because the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So there was a guy, and he, he, he was incredible. And he, uh, he learned how to build these sandcastles on the beach. And you've, you've saw some of the ones I'm talking about. I'm not talking about this little sandcastle that you make out of a bucket or a little kid's bucket. I'm talking about these sandcastles were just, they were unbelievable. I mean, it looked like a work of art. And he would go down to the beach for hours and he would build these sandcastles and people would come by and they'd take pictures and they'd take pictures in front of them and they just admired them. And they were literally works of art. And he would just spend, again, he would spend hours just sculpting these, these uh, sandcastles on the beach. Well, they, he went through a little time where there were some vandals that got word that he was doing this. And, you know, people enjoyed it so much, but there were some vandals that started going down at night after hours and they would, and they would destroy these sandcastles and people wouldn't get to enjoy them. And so he'd go down the next day and they'd just be destroyed and he'd, he'd build another one and he'd go back the next day and they'd, they'd be destroyed. And so he, he got an idea. So he took him a load of cinder blocks and rocks and in the foundation of those sandcastles, he put cinder blocks and stone. And later that night when the vandals came along and started kicking the sandcastles, they got quite the surprise. <laughs> now, you know what he did? He changed his foundation. He made his foundation strong. You know why America is as strong as she is? Because thank God we have the church. And the church is the foundation of spreading the truth. So, we're done. You say, well, pastor, what's that got to do with me? Well, number one, could I encourage you to do this? Could I encourage you to put your church on your prayer list and pray that God protects our church, that God puts a hedge of protection around our church and, and keeps our church going in the right direction? Man, I pray this. I'm telling you, I pray it. I, 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 do, I pray it every day. I pray it every day. I, I pray for our church. And I pray this prayer, oh, Lord, give us the unity of the Spirit. God, give us the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Give us the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Oh, God, give us the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Give us the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then I'll pray for some of y'all. And I'll say, Lord, you know what's going on. You know so-and-so's got something against so-and-so. Lord, please help them to find forgiveness. Lord, please help them to let that go. Lord, please help them to get that behind them. You say, why do you, why, why do you pray that, preacher? Because, friend, this right here is the pillar and ground of the truth. Yes. And we can't allow Satan to come and to destroy what God has done here at this church. Amen. Amen. And so let's pray that God will keep us right and keep us straight and keep us serving him.
I hope you got something tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, if nobody else enjoyed this, I enjoyed it. Man, it was, I, this, this fed me tonight. It helped me. God, I'm so thankful I'm a part of the church. And not just the church, but I love this church. And Lord, I love this church. And I'm so glad I'm a part of the Calvary Baptist Church. And Lord, I don't want to do anything that's going to hinder this work. God, I don't, I don't want to do anything that's going to hold this work back that's going to keep people from being saved, that's going to keep Jesus from being honored and glorified. God, I don't, want to do, I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt the work of the church because this is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Father, tonight, I pray you'd give us a burden for the church and God, help us to pray for our church Pray for our pastor. Pray for our pastor's wife. Pray for our pastor's family. God, help us to pray for our Sunday school teachers. God, help us to pray for our deacons. Help us to pray for our leadership. Lord, for our hospitality team. For those that minister in the nursing homes. For the radio stations. God, for the public school outreaches. For the jail ministries. God helps to pray for our parents, for the teenagers, for those that are working with our teenagers. Helps to pray for our staff. God helps to pray for, our, for, for all of those that are serving, our maintenance team, our ushers. God, our safety team, our choir. God, those that are helping with RPC and, and Lord, those that are playing instruments. And God, on and on and on and on it goes. Why? Because every member, every single member is vital to the body. And God helps to put a, a hedge of prayer around this work. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help our lives to be clean, holy, and right before the Lord. That we don't hold back the church. God, have your way, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us tonight? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed just for a moment. And I'm going to make, make my way to the main floor. And if we can pray with you about something, maybe you've just got a heavy burden on your heart about something, and you just need somebody to pray with you. We'll be here just for a moment. You come while we wait, and then we'll sing right before we go tonight. Time's not late. Listen, don't, don't be in a hurry. But if you need to come, you come while we wait tonight.